Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Olivia Frico, Senior Content Producer and Editor of the Booktopian blog, and I'm joined today by Sarah McDooling, our Kids and YA Category Manager, and Shanu Prasad, our Lifestyle Books Category Manager. And today we're basically going to be talking about Midnight Sun, which is the new book from Stephanie Meyer that retells the first Twilight book from the vampire Edward Cullen's perspective. It landed a couple of weeks back and we've all had time to read some of this hefty tome and form some opinions. And today we're going to be chatting all things Midnight Sun and Twilight in general. Exciting, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So Twilight's kind of one of those cultural phenomena that carries a bit of baggage. So I think let's begin by talking about our Twilight experiences. What were our formative Twilight experiences? How did we come to read it? Were you part of the original craze or did you come to it later? Sarah, why don't we start with you? Uh, Okay, so Twilight I read when it was the only one published. Um, And I actually thought, well, okay, I might be wrong about that. It's possible that one or two of the other books were already out, but I assumed it was a standalone book when I was reading it. It was definitely before the movies or anything like that. Um, And I thought that it was this adorable standalone little book with this ending that was was like, will they or won't they? Who knows? We'll never tell you, right? Like the end. And then I remember being like quite shocked when I realised it was part of a series and thinking, oh, well, you know, that was such an adorable romance. Like I wonder what happens next. And then I read what happens next. And... (laughs) And the series kind of lost me. Like I kind of lost, I I liked the first book and then I kind of didn't really love the rest of the series. And that's my, that was my Twilight journey. And then the, and then the movies came out and they were fun. That was a whole other journey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just remember my old, like we were sitting down for dinner one night. I was about, I think I was in year 10, year nine or year 10. So like kind of hitting that peak of like YA like the the ideal reading age for mm. YA, I guess. And I just yeah. remember my older sister going on and on about this book and I'd kind of like half tuned it out and then I started listening and she's like, and it's about a vampire and he falls in love with this girl, her name's Bella and it's just beautiful and I'm obsessed with it. And I was just like, oh yeah, what's that? And she lent me the first book and like, this is the quickest I've ever gone through the obsession, love, hate cycle with <gasps> It was so it was I think that was the first thing that triggered this pattern of media consumption in Baby Live. Um, <laughs> I loved the first three books. I was obsessed. I got all my friends at school reading them. And I just remember reading the last book and finishing it and going, well, what the hell was that? That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible is a strong word, but I remember being very, very disillusioned with it and like threw the book away and it's like, well, I'm never reading those again. And it was, I just remember going to school the next day and everyone's like, so what did you think? And I was like, I did not like it. And, oh, and you turned on a dime. Yeah, I did. It was so strange. And <laughs> I don't know. Shani, what about you? Like, yeah. Well, mine was, I was in New York and I used to go to the Strand bookstore all the time because they had like, because I love YA. And when I was in New York, I was not a young adult. I was an adult adult in my early twenties. <laughs> and, um, and I, uh, yeah, so I'd go to the Strand, Strand bookstore kind of every week and I would buy like a whole bunch of books that they would have these what, young adult books that were like $5. And um, I found this book just 
one of like you know maybe 40 books I read while I was while I was there and um, I picked it up and I read it I was like yeah that's a good story quite like that um, was a huge fan of um, had always been a massive fan of um, of Buffy so Buffy and Angel <gasps> to me are like you know that is the that is the human vampire love story that all love stories have to be so a lot of <laughs> a lot of people that if they you know may not have had that experience because Buffy was a little bit earlier <laughs> um, so and you know we didn't have streaming services back then. <laughs> so that was I really think too much of it because I, it was because I was in America and it was like a phenomenon didn't really start straight away and so um, I just picked it up and read it as if it was any other kind of book and then when I got home to Australia and then I think the second book must have been coming out or something and then all of a sudden it was like this huge thing and I'm like oh 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 I read that book <laughs> I was like oh I'm part of something it was very exciting um, and then yeah I read all the rest of them and no, they were fine I was fine with them. I didn't have, you know, any things. And then the movie came out and I was like, this movie is the worst casting I've ever seen of anything in my life. <laughs> watch it uh, because they're all wearing really bad makeup. <laughs> and, um, and I remember, I remember when I watched movie. the movie thinking, oh, this is very, oh, yeah, well, it doesn't make up does not get better. Um, I, was th- I remember thinking, oh, well, maybe, you know, I was like, oh, no, the book was way better than the movie, like the first Twilight book. And then after that, I, I didn't, I have never reread them. Um, so I read them when they came out originally, exactly as they came out. And then what I remember most about Twilight is unfortunately, I'd say from the, from the movies more than anything else. So I can't even remember what my reaction was to the end Ooh. of the end of Twilight saga. Like I can't even remember I've... that, but I have a feeling that I probably went, oh, that's an interesting way of making all the characters happy. <laughs> that's what I thought. Interesting. <laughs> Now um, I Shani, like, I'm huh, that's a very strange way. <laughs> I'm with you 100 percent on the on Buffy. I think that I probably the main reason I would have picked up that book is because of having loved Buffy um, and thinking, yes. you know, vampire human love story would have immediately triggered Buffy and Angel for me, and I probably picked up that book hoping to find something like that. Um, and then, you know, I say I didn't like the rest of the books. I did read them, though. So, like, <laughs> it's not as though the series kind of really lost me, lost me. I read I read all of those books. But um, I think that certainly by the last one I had reached probably, like, leap levels of um, just not really understanding some of the choices <laughs> on how the book ended. However, reading Midnight Sun has really reminded me of how enchanting Twilight is and it made me sort of think of that first book and the experience of reading that first book separate from the movies which came later um and you know how absorbing it was like there's a reason I went through three more books in that series even you know not loving all of the plot points and I think that the reason is because I enjoyed that first book so much Mm. right Like, there's something about it. There is. And, like, my initial distaste for the series has kind of lessened off over the years into, like, just kind of, like, from apathy to kind of just fond remembrance of, like, how much I loved that (laughs) first book. So I'm very much with you on that. And, like, I guess this is a good jumping-off point to talk about what we thought of Midnight Sun. Because this is about, I think, about twice the length of the original Twilight book. And it's... I think it's 200 pages, yeah. Oh, okay. 200 more pages and 200 it's been like more 12 pages. years yeah it's like 1200 
1200 12 years in the making or something and it's a book that stephanie meyer was originally going to release until the first few chapters got leaked or something and she gave up on it and and now it's here and yeah, we've read dry. yeah and it's selling like crazy like the mm. proverbial hot yeah like I find it so interesting that she wrote the four books and you know love them or hate them and I certainly love them more than I hate them um they are like a phenomenon right like they're Mm. worldwide phenomenon people went mad for it and they were crazy for it and then since that last since Breaking Dawn was published there's been two more publications connected to this series um the first being the little uh, novella um the short second life of Brie Tanner, uh, which is just telling this, like, really sad little story of a side character who gets killed in book three, I believe. And then um, and then the second one was on the 10-year anniversary, um, Stephanie Meyer. There, I remember there being speculation that she was going to release Midnight Sun then, but instead of Midnight Sun, we got Life or Death, Um which was a, a gender-flipped retelling of Twilight, which I actually haven't read. Have you guys read that? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even, know, even that know that existed. I don't know what we talked about it the other week. I was like, what? What, what are you talking I was like, oh, Sarah's just making stuff up now. I don't know what she's talking about. So, no, it's a real thing. And I, I, and I didn't. I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled it. Yeah. Like, wow. And I didn't have, I didn't at the time. Yeah, I so wasn't. She... Yeah, at the time that that came out, I was like, I just don't. I just didn't read it at the time. But now I feel like I might want to read it now. Like I feel like this so you Twilight enjoyed Renaissance. What you read of, yeah. So you enjoyed what you read of Midnight Sun? Yes. So it's a, a 700-page book and I know Shanu was able to like read it very quickly, but I am reading it luxuriously slowly. Um, so yeah, I think that, that, that does um, colour my thoughts on the book as well, remember, because I was like, okay, let's you know we've got to get some content out so we need to read it I was like Mm. I'll read it not having any idea of how long it was when I volunteered myself to read it in (laughs) one night which I did basically um and so I was just like stressed because I had to read it really fast and I was like okay we're only up to page we're up to page 277 and even the thing because the the one Thing that we know is about to happen hasn't even happened yet and that stressed me out mm. a lot whereas I think if you're reading it as an all person as just reading a book it's probably a lot better because then you can get like the nuances of what the differences are between the book and that's the other thing is I was trying to work out what I could tell people mm. about the new book and then I realized as I was reading the book that I couldn't remember anything that had happened in the actual book and all my memories were of the movie so I was just like oh did I know this already or is this new information um, and thankfully, there are lots and lots of people who are huge fans um, and also fast readers who read the book and then um, put very helpful uh, things on the internet to tell me <laughs> what bits were part of the um, part of the original and what, what bits weren't. So um, I think that was a very it was a very very interesting reading experience. But um, has it made you want to reread yeah, Twilight? So far. It kind of has made me want to reread it. <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. Because okay, so I'm like not even halfway yet through this book. Um, and I'm just reading it like it's not I don't it's not a book that I would really want to binge because you really were in Edward's head and he has very kind of like intense detailed thought processes <laughs> and I don't and, and it's amazing like I'm enjoying it but I couldn't do a long 
reading stint of it, I like having like little breaks um, between all of this. But one thing I'm enjoying about it is that he does seem to on occasion have a bit of a sense of humour about how mm. his own personality. <laughs> like, you know, he, refer, he refers a few times to his tendency to brood and like, <laughs> I don't know, I kind of like that. And I like how I've seen a lot of stuff online about how people are taking like a passage from Twilight and then taking the, the same part of the story from Midnight Sun and putting them side by side and how funny it is to like <laughs> compare their thought processes because like Edward's version will be three paragraphs long and in that three paragraphs he'll be like wondering about like what could Bella be thinking and like go through all of these hypotheticals and then in Bella's perspective it's like a two-sentence thing where she's not thinking anything she's just like totally um dazzled by his smile or something it's just really <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> like it's funny really, yeah it has fun with it and like I find it very readable like you blink and you've read 50 pages which yeah like yeah and I, I could be approaching any book like it could be by my favorite author ever and if I see it's 800 pages I'm like oh boy okay and I find it a bit intimidating even when it's someone I love but I, I just I would blink and I'd read 50 50 pages and blinking you'd read another 50 and you're like this is really readable and I do like that Edward has that bit of sense of humor but I'm also really liking getting that insight into the Cullens a bit more before Same. Bella yeah, came I, and upended I, I everything. Think, I think that's really the only honestly the like difference between the two books that mm. uh in terms of uh, actual events that happen not Edward's thought processes obviously the two the two things about the book is Edward's thought processes is what you what you find out about mm. And then also um, it's really the only actual things that happen in the book that aren't in the original book are when he's with his family. So you definitely get like a whole, like you could totally imagine a whole spin-off. Mm. spin-off I want those spin-offs. <laughs> you know, and like, she, and, she and released it. Sorry. <laughs> before, before that and everything that happens to them after that, you know. Mm. No, that's it. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, this is podcasting when we're not in the room together. I find it so difficult not to talk over people. I'm sorry. Um, however, Stephanie Meyer has, is apparent, has apparently announced, and I don't know if this is true or not because, you know. I think books. it is. Yes, it was. It is? Okay, so two more books. I definitely want one of those to be Alice and Jasper's story. Like I want mm. to, I, I want to know about those guys when they met how they made it to the Cullens, all of that stuff. Because that, to me, is a very interesting story. Yeah. What would, she it, what would you guys want? This, I would want that because she reveals in this, oh, in this that she knew she was going to meet Jasper and fall in love with him. I think Alice was my favourite Cullen She's the best Cullen. There's no yeah, question. Yeah. So I, kind of, um, I, want to, I want that story explored of, like, she knows who her love is going to be, like, for certain, and like that they're going to love and then how would you act when you were meeting them for the first time like I want to know I feel like that would be such a good story I would I would eat mm. that up yeah, um yeah. would you guys ever want to read a story about Renesmee oh uh not if she ends up with Jacob yeah oh, wow. like and she definitely well, yeah. would right I don't see Stephanie Meyer pairing her up with anyone else yeah but well you couldn't could you I mean it would have been fine if Jacob was her protector or her something or her like guide to life or you know something like that. Mm. But making them, I was. But again, I guess what are you going to do when you you know if you don't have an issue with, um, you know, hundred year old and a 
16 year old then you're probably not gonna have an issue with a three-year-old and a 16 year old right I know look one of my big reasons for not loving the other books in the series was that I don't like a lot of triangles generally so the whole Will team Jacob team Edward thing I was always like it's obviously going to be team Edward so this is just a moot point and then um and I just like I find it hard to to read through books when it's so obvious the way things are going to go. Also, another point um, I meant to say earlier uh, between Twilight and Midnight Sun, I think one of the reasons Midnight Sun is more interesting is that when you're in Edward's perspective, you don't have to slog through that whole part of Twilight where she's trying to figure out what he is, mm. and that's kind of not the best part of that book <laughs> like yeah. I just remember it's clear from the blurb you pick up this book knowing it's a, it's a vampire and having to like go through half of that book with Bella trying to figure out what his thing is mm-hmm. um is not the best we, yep. we that's out of the picture in Midnight Sun like we really. from the get-go well she still has to figure it out but we're not in her head like yeah so, so we can focus on other things no, but we're in yeah. Edward's head so we get. So we're focusing we get, on other things. Yeah. Like yeah so he's he worried so, that she's yeah, going to find out. Yeah. His but, struggle of like, do I tell her? Will she figure it out? And also that curiosity, and like, is she figuring this out? This is interesting. And how will she react? I find that mm. much more interesting than is. Yeah. Is he? Why did he move so fast? I don't understand. Like, I find his point of view generally more interesting than Bella's point of view. Yeah, I um, can see that. Um, uh, I. Yeah, I don't think I do, honestly. I I just um, <laughs> I I just I just find I just struggled with the um the way that she'd written uh that that she'd written certain things about Edward that didn't really like I I got that he was like broody and like really broody and like really 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 broody and tortured and, and like, so old fashioned and so <laughs> like um oh what's the word I guess chivalrous. <laughs> Mm. But yeah, but under the guise of it being old fashioned, that's why it's okay. And yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think I think a lot of people have said that section. I don't know. Some people still might be okay with it, but I haven't found those people. Oh, are we talking yeah. about the um, watching the, Bella the sleep thing. angle? I mean, protecting. Mm. Yes, I mean protecting because I get that yeah. it's, it's getting framed as 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 he's really worried about her mortality because he realizes that she could die like from anything, anytime, and he gets really freaked out. And there's a really good conversation. Where, and it's quite, and I can imagine it actually being. I think that would, if I'd been ready to get slower, would have been quite a, like a funny part where like the, the rest of his family are like, dude, just get over it. And he's like, no, 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 but oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, check anything. Mm-hmm. She can bring a bit by a spider. She could do this. And I, you can kind of get from that perspective. It's still, it's still, it still doesn't. It's, it's still a bit of a, I don't know. It just, still, it still didn't read very well for me. Um, like I for like me it read very well in the in the, in the mm-hmm. first in the first book, and it didn't read it better for me in the second one. I found it way worse in the first book because in the fir- in Twilight, he's when he reveals to her that he's been watching her sleep, she doesn't really react. Like she's she's like, oh, that's not good, but she's not as horrified <laughs> as I feel like you, you probably should yeah. be. Whereas I mean, when we're in his head, he's genuinely ashamed of himself and it's written on the page that it's not good behaviour, whereas it's never on the page in Twilight. In Twilight, it's true. just, it's sort of, you know, if you're just going by the characters' reactions and what's written in it, it's just romantic. And in this book, I feel like an effort was made 
for him to really address the fact that his pro- his behaviour is problematic and then sort of frame it in a way that, um, to me, it just made it a bit less creepy. It just made it more about, like you were saying, Chanu, it made it more about the fact that he is um, this bizarre, like, immortal creature who's never had to worry Basically, about... Yeah. yeah, and suddenly his heart is... Um, and the whole purpose for his life is in this, like, fragile thing that could die at any moment. So it just it did make it a bit less creepy for me. Um, and I also think teenage girls are very, like, the way, unfortunately, a lot of us are conditioned is we don't question a lot of behaviour that we really should be questioning because yeah. it's presented to us as romantic. So like, I, that, honestly, like, reading it as... A young, oh, yeah, like, totally. pretty best and teenager. Like, oh, I was just like, oh, yeah, someone would love me so much. That's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, and then you read normal. it down, you're like, um, I have some <laughs> questions. Yeah, yeah. this is not okay. It's a really not okay. Attractive when they sleep. That's really the biggest thing. Is that? I, that's yeah, I don't have anything else. I was like, I'm a drooler. Okay, it's not attractive to see someone sleep generally. Leaving aside the breaking and entering and the invasion of privacy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he. No. You can tell he was really, really, really in love if he still thought she was as beautiful as ever. Like when after watching her sleep, and had, like that's a pretty good litmus test, I think. <laughs> pretty, it's yeah. pretty impressive. Um, what the other thing that I thought, <clears throat> and I, I just can't. This is a bit that I cannot remember if this was the same in the first book or not. But there's a whole section where they have this, they have these conversations about um, what they like, and Bella talks about her favorite books and her favorite music. And um, like what she wants to do when she leaves school. Is it just me, or that, did that does that any of that happen in the first book? I don't I remember feel that thought. at all happening. Where you find things out about Bella. I had the same thought stuff. when I was reading it. I was like, I, I remember that they talked, but I don't remember this much detail. No, and I'm 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 like that is interesting because that's one of the other things obviously in that first book is that the book is not really it's it's really it feels like an allegory kind of thing as opposed to a you know they're not like you know the way that she reacts is a very unusual way that you would not expect any like you don't see very often in books that the person just is like oh yeah and then the whole rest of the book is like there is nothing to say oh like there's no struggle she just accepts and moves on um so uh yeah so I, I thought that was very interesting in the in the latest book that you know really makes her fleshes her out as a person with like her own interests and things um as opposed to just this one you know so I do want to reread Twilight because I'm sure kind of her love for Edward yeah I'm I'm sure that there's some version I of that I would have remembered book. if they talked about Limp Biscuit. I'm pretty sure I would have really remembered if they, even, even back then, if they talked about Limp Bizkit as a band that they were listening to any time. Like, you know, that's a very specific of the, and even at the it time, I don't think that It is specific, isn't really, it? You know. It was a weird, like, was time capsule in 2005 where you're like, oh, man. Yeah. That was in year seven. But to me, Limp Bizkit felt good. much more, like, earlier than that. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was. That was very interesting, very, very yeah. interesting to me. I truly don't know. I will report back to you. I'll read the first mm. book again and I'll let you know whether or not yeah. Limp Biscuit is mentioned. <laughs> I guess in what fact, we I can, like... If I just control find. Sorry. Sorry, Liv. Yeah. No, that's all right. Um, just, like, I think if anything is clear from, like, what we've talked about already is that Twilight is not something that you can just be, like, meh about. For most people in like when it comes to being a public phenomenon it's both adored and reviled um 
do we think that's fair? Is it warranted? Um, why has there been such a strong public reaction to what is essentially just, not just, but like what is essentially a young adult romance, like paranormal romance? Like it just became such a phenomenon. And I remember being surprised. Like, it cops shit because it's romance and romance yeah. always cops shit. It's, it's really, it's, it gets more shit heaped on it than any other genre. Um, mm. There's like a real bias against romance. I feel like a lot of people write it off as being like silly or inconsequential. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Combined so with I th- the fact that it's for young girls as well and anything that teenage girls adore tends to get publicly ridiculed. So, like, yeah. like a One Direction. If you uh, being a One Direction fan was something of shame if you weren't a teenage girl. And which yeah, is like, so if strange. you ever find yourself criticising Twilight, take a step back and ask yourself, well, why don't I cr- criticise, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Transformers or, like... Yeah, because like, anything I don't think Twilight fair. is any better or worse in terms of how it's written than a lot of other stuff out there that's for no. young people. Like, it's not winning any Booker Prizes. It's definitely, you're not reading it for the beautiful prose. I don't, at least I'm not. You're reading it for the story. Stephanie Mai is a good storyteller. Really the way yeah. um, she uses a lot of descriptive language, I find mm. that hard to do. I find that harder. Um, I find it like it, it sticks. It mm. doesn't make – I know that Sarah found it very, really – and I think you guys find it super easy to kind of like get into and just read the kind of – and just start reading, whereas I, I, I found myself just concentrating too much on the actual – um, phrases that were being used rather than the the, the story that was was being told, but um, it is yeah, purple I, I prose, and and it, and it gets a lot of critic criticism for being purple prose. But it's I find it flowery and in keeping with um, a young adult story of general. yeah. Well, more, more to the point because young adult such a broad thing. Yeah. This is a romance. First and foremost, it's a it's a romance. It's, it's a story of forbidden love, and this like flowery speech fits. It's in keeping with that story. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely her style. She's not like one for being succinct. She like really <laughs> dwells in moments. She like revels in these like every minute emotion and thought process. You're really like sunk deep into the emotions of this book. So. It's it's definitely not a plot driven book. Um, it's a hundred percent character driven. It's all about the emotions, and you really need to want to wade in and like revel in the romance of it. Otherwise, mm. otherwise, this book is definitely not for you. Like, if you don't want to yeah. go through every little minute thought process someone has as they're falling in love for the first time, then mm. pick another series, right? Like, yeah. And I think it's smart that she did focus on that. She knew that, like, we already know the plot. We know basically what happens. Like, even if we forget details, we know that we, like, we have, we know it, we know where it's going. And you're on this journey because you care about the character of mm-hmm. Edward. Um, so I guess, like, just jumping off on this idea of why, of Twilight as both young adult fiction and romance, like, what did Twilight do for young adult fiction? And what do we think Midnight Sun will do for it? Like, however many years later. It's like 15 years later now, isn't it? 2005? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it more about I don't know, that's than such... anything else? Like, 
but is is the 15-year cycle enough for nostalgia to go into renaissance? Like, are we going to now have a whole other wave of wildly <laughs> romantic YA books? Because for, that's what it did last time. Last time Twilight came and then there are a million Twilight rip-offs. And um, so many. everyone was trying to write. Yeah, so many, so many vampire books, so many tales of like that it wasn't the it wasn't because he was a vampire that that was not actually the point of the book or probably why you know it wasn't that wasn't the thing like the vampire mm-hmm. was one bit of it but it's you know the forbiddenness and the can't be togetherness and the struggleness and all of that kind of stuff was more i think more important than vampires which is why a lot of those vampire ones just fell flat that came after it because they missed what she was mm-hmm. actually what was you know the appeal it wasn't just because he was a vampire I mean, I think the whole vampire thing, like, I agree and I don't agree, Shonu, I guess. Um, I think the vampire thing is very central to Twilight's original appeal. And the fact that people couldn't successfully replicate it, I think, is a different matter. But, like, Stephanie Meyer is very good at exploiting the vampire mythology, especially, like, the, I guess, the more sexual and sensual side of it, because it became a good conduit for, like expressing teenage sexual desire and sensuality which we like to pretend doesn't exist but it's there and she found a way to tap into it while also being very like i don't want to say conserv- conservative but like chaste it was just very chaste. i don't know yeah, yeah. i think yes, the vampirism but- is central to twilight's appeal but no one else has been able to quite uh yes sorry i probably probably didn't phrase what i was trying to say very well before live because i agree the vampire it, it wouldn't have worked the same way if it was a, um, you know, maybe an alien and a werewolf that were fighting for her affections. But, um, uh, but yeah, I don't think, I think that that was the problem is that everyone thought, oh, it's because it's a vampire and that's the reason and that's why all those ones, like those really lots of really very forgettable bad vampire books came after it because it wasn't, it wasn't just that it was a vampire, it's what she managed to do with the mythology of the vampire. So, yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, as with a lot of publishing trends, you know, you get this um, one thing that works and everyone goes, oh, it's worked because of, and they haven't understood that the best way to make a hit is to make something unique and not just to try and repeat um, something else. Although, ironically, that's exactly what Stephanie Meyer has done here with her very hmm. crazy phenomenon of <laughs> of Midnight yeah. Sun. Um, but it all, you know, yeah, the but, funny uh, thing is it did go on to spawn Fifty Shades of Grey. And oh, that yes. phenomenon repeated itself, but this time with like S and M, BDSM, and people thought, oh, it's it's because it's a BDSM novel, and then we got a bunch of, I guess, bad, like <laughs> we got Fifty Shades of Grey, and it is because of Stephanie Meyer. It's weird to remember that sometimes mm. that these two equally huge um, phenomena came from really came like coexist. They're like, mm. well, one is one is the root of the other and like isn't it weird that you could I mean I'm I'm correct me if I'm wrong but like when you think about the uber uber big worldwide phenomenon publishing spikes there's Fifty Shades of Grey and then and there's Twilight and there's Harry Potter and like what else um Mm. so like the dystopian oh yeah Hunger Games definitely one that yeah so, like, if the, if we're going to identify those as the four of the last, like, 30 years or whatever, then um, it's weird that two of them, or I guess if you view Fifty Shades as an extension of Twilight, are 
romance. Like, mm. and I remember, you know, so and many women saying when Fifty Shades of Grey got published, everyone was like, the the reaction was like, oh, nothing like this has been written. Whereas, in fact, there's an entire genre of books mm-hmm. <laughs> that are yeah, like that, like that, that have been written. going for years. It's a huge, the romance um, genre is like massive. And it's just that there, it, it's not generally mainstream and a lot of people just aren't aware that these books are available. Well, um, I guess it just it's depends on like the your literary classific- classification. Sorry, that word completely escaped me. Like, <laughs> I can't picture something like a really serious literary book written by a man being like a huge runaway phenomenon in the same way. Like, it's interesting to look at how all those kind of four books and series were written by women, were hugely commercial, and the way they were marketed and packaged up and whatnot like it's interesting like it people is. saw dollar signs here whereas it's not so much about the craft despite the fact that like I think they are all like entertaining enough in their own way and also interesting Fifty Shades less so I really don't like that book <laughs> I wonder sometimes how Stephanie Meyer feels about Fifty Shades she, would is be not so happy. Weird. she was not happy really like, that doesn't surprise yeah, me it, yeah. it must be bizarre to to work so hard on the on this series and like watch it be so successful, and then have someone's fan fiction version of it have Piggy similar back. success. Yeah, like it would be bizarre. Mm. But it's weird because I don't actually associate Fifty Shades with Twilight at all because I just think the characters are completely different. It's just that yeah. whole I can't be with this person and forbidden yearning and longing that I think people. That I think is the similarity. I've only yeah. ever seen the trailers to those movies, so I still <laughs> I really have not much. <laughs> I just know there is Dakota Dakota Johnson and that, mm. that guy. <laughs> and then that and guy. He, he doesn't smile. <laughs> that's, hey, do you guys? That's what I know. Do you guys remember hearing? This is some Twilight um, trivia, I guess. But Ooh. because I've been like reading so much about Midnight Sun, because I'm like seeing the sales come through and just like finding this whole thing such an interesting moment in publishing history (laughs) and um been reading reviews and like what comes next and everything like I've just Mm. been consuming content about Midnight Sun and Twilight in general and I came across this thing which I was never aware of but did you know that originally um uh, Stephanie Meyer wrote the series as a duology and the first book was Twilight, and the second book was called Forever Dawn, and it's no. written, and she gave it to her sister. And then, um, so it's at, like it exists, a full book called Forever Dawn exists that completes the story. Um, and then, obviously, when after Twilight was published and they wanted to turn it into a series, she had to scrap Forever Dawn and spin it out into a longer series. But Whoa. this... If you if you Google this, you can read about this Forever Dawn, which is an alternative version, which in which there's no love triangle with um, Jacob ever, and um, things. So it's basically the the broad events of Breaking Dawn still happen, but without any kind of love triangle with Jacob. He's just a character. Um, I believe he's just a character who is there to kind of serve as. Uh, the person who tips Bella off about 
the vampires like he does in the first book. Oh yeah. Right. And then I don't know, he's around in the second book, but he's not the same. He's not like the love, the second love interest anymore. Well, and um, makes sense with the way that Edward feels about um feels about uh, Jacob in the in Midnight Sun. You don't get any kind of animosity feeling that you get mm. later. At all. Because he's just a kid, right? He's just this kid who's around in the first book. You There's no hint one until thing, book one two. Thing, no, well, one thing at the very end. Sorry, I lied. One thing at the very end when they're at the prom and he goes, oh, he got tall, you know, or says in his <laughs> mind, um, you know, about Jacob. Like, Yeah, know, suddenly he's a bit more of a threat. Yeah, but that's the same thing where ja- where Jacob's like, oh, the, that weird smell. You know, it's like because they don't really understand because he doesn't know he's a, he's a werewolf yet. Um, yeah. So read it more like that if you wanted rather than um, that. that that would be really, really interesting if the book if uh, uh i wonder if a lot of the people that you know people that are really against the twilight saga morph probably for as you said those books in the middle that kind of mm. like you know um make bella feel almost like if you don't have a boyfriend you don't have a life and you <laughs> want to do dangerous things to make him come back kind of thing um, yeah, yeah. That even happen. and you kind of moved on to like the story story because that feels more like how we're seeing the YA now right with those we're seeing so many more duologies um, mm. rather than you know necessarily like books that go on for you know that are four or five or six you know um, books long kind of in that kind of space so you get that kind of impactful storytelling really fast but we're still with enough space to build kind of build that mm. kind of real love of a character um, yeah it's an interesting what if yeah. I would genuinely really love to read Forever Dawn because I feel like if I could um not that there isn't things that are fun in those middle books. Like the series yeah. as a whole is fun. I think I just you know, if I were to have continued liking the series as much as I did with book one through all the books, it, it would require cutting out the love triangle <laughs> and the way that love triangle is resolved. Which means, it, it, which basically sounds like Forever Dawn. So it sounds like the original conception for this series is kind of more designed to please Sarah. <laughs> and you know, isn't that what it's all about? <laughs> yeah, really, I'm sure that was foremost in Stephanie Meyer's thoughts. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it is interesting to think about what, um, you know, uh, what, you know, going back to the thing we're talking about, you know, some, some people, but what effect uh, Midnight Sun may or may not have on the YA, um, mm. YA publishing. I feel to me that it, it will it will kind of um, sort of send the editors off and the, the commissioning agents or whatever they're called um, off to, you know, try and find some other, you know, phenomenon from re- from from the recent or more distant past that they can, um, they can you know, try and get new books new, out of. New spin on mm. or something. But I, I think that's like at that one one point of the publishing, but I think that I'm, I'm hoping that the YA publishing um, since, you know, since back in, you know, when it was really like YA was not as, you know, as, as you know, as broad as it is now, I really hope that that doesn't go away, that we keep trying to come up with and get more and more um, mm. stories of, you know, they can be romances, they can be adventure stories, they can be anything, crime novels, but, but more and more broad experiences and diversity of, of characters. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's really great now that people didn't have that, you know, 15 years ago. And now, you know, you can It's a totally different landscape and, now. Yeah. So, mm, many, like, so many different kinds of, kinds of books to hopefully represent all the, you know, lots of different kinds of people that, that are around, um, you know, because the one, the one thing 
that was very, very um, a little bit jarring to me when I was reading the whole book was a number of times Edward refers to Bella's pale, pale, pale skin. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, it just, it's really strange to read that now because it's just not something that you would generally read in, you know. Mm. It's kind of, it's a very white book. Like half the characters are literally like repeatedly referred to Mm. as being super pale and uber white. And (laughs) any characters that aren't like the, like Jacob and the, the, forgive me if I'm saying it wrong, the Quilu tribe, um, who actually aren't very happy about their depiction of. I didn't even realize. No, I wouldn't imagine they would be. I felt really bad that I had no idea. I just thought they'd make There is actually a donation page you can go to to kind of like, if you feel bad about you, like having like participated in this craze without realizing like just how much like damage that they have been done because people have apparently gone to their, their sacred sites and they like, (gasps) and treat them as tourists. I had no idea that this was a thing. This was terrible. So that, that's an interesting, that would never, Twilight as it is, would never be published now with the, all of no, that in there, I don't right? Think so. Like they would have for sure um, caught that in a sensitivity read and been like, you can't do this. You can't just co-opt an existing yeah. culture and turn them into werewolves to suit your story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's a bit uncomfortable when you think about it Ooh, a bit. It's like quite uncomfortable. But um, I have seen that yeah. up a couple of times in discussions of Midnight Sun and it's all part of the whole you know, Twilight Renaissance, like, oh, we're talking about this again? Cool, let's talk about the things that don't work about it and things that were controversial or, like, even on yeah. occasion harmful. Yeah. So, like... Uh, but, um, yeah, but that's, that's why, uh, you know, that's why I'm just so, um, you know, I, I've been, you know, really, it's been really interesting to see um, how, why, you know, with all the YA trends that come and go and how they move, but how, like, the one thing that is, like, definitely broadening out is... Um, is the yeah is the different representations of people um, through th- through own voice you know own voice stories mm. so that you know hopefully mm. everyone's experience because um, that's what you want right if you're reading stories about um, you know about young adults you want to you want to be able to read about different <clears throat> the way different people experience the world um, yeah you know, if you want to read yeah. about a vampire you want to read about a werewolf you want to read about someone from a different culture than you than you <laughs> um you know it's um it's all it's all things about you know things you don't know about um and even this year I've read some books where I was like you know I, I was like oh but wow this is like this is something I never would have like I never would have had a book when I was a teenager reading reading you know um Sweet Valley High <laughs> more than <laughs> Blonde Twins you know that would have had like you know an Indian girl as a main character but also there still be a love story, you know, that any, any of that kind of stuff just would never have, would never have happened. So um, it's really great having this phenomenon, but it's also great to recognise that this phenomenon still, you know, is, is, is like a, it's, it's, it's pop culture more than it is, you know, just what it's, you know, it's, it's transcended, you know, mm. reading books. Yeah, <laughs> like definitely. Reading a book is one thing, and then this is like a, a pop culture phenomenon that's like, like, the, like BTS, you know, <laughs> the same sort of, mm. the same sort of and, thing. It's going way past and just what it, yeah and now that she's announced these plans for two more books I'm really interested to see how because we don't see it in Midnight Sun Midnight Sun is a retelling of a story that's already set in stone so there's only so much she can do um there is literally every single thing that was in the first book and the conversations are in this book just something a little bit extra Um, so it doesn't really give the author much room no yeah. Uh, to update things, yeah. you know, or to 
like write something that is Twilight but more Twilight for now because it's a retelling of something that's already done. Yeah. But if she writes something new, like if she's got two books in the works, yeah, we're going to see what she does to bring Twilight into the like yeah. decade yeah <laughs> and um yeah and yeah, i'd be really interested be, they're not going to be retellings again because no she, um no, someone no, from no, the she's... new york times asked her and she said no not at all this is it for edward i wouldn't want to do that especially given that new moon would be just a nightmare of depression and emptiness <laughs> so <laughs> yes, that was a good question yeah, no one wants I that, that i don't <laughs> i don't think anyone wants no. that I no. would not want to read through the rest of this series from a different point of view. I think it's really cool to have the first one, but that's all we need. Mm. Um, I want her now to expand it. I want her to take the series somewhere new. And um, I think that would be really exciting, not just for my sales as the kids in my <laughs> category manager, <laughs> but for like... Plan on having this job for another forty years because you don't know how long it might take her to write the next book. She's going. Yeah, very I don't think these are coming anytime soon. <laughs> oh yeah, one because she's she's not really a one book a year person, right? This one took no. Time. <laughs> no. Um, also, this is nothing to do with. Uh, it's to do with Stephanie Meyer, but not to do with uh, the Twilight series. But am I the only person in the world that really loved the host? Like, I really loved that book. Like, oh, I love the host. Wants, apparently, that's what she wants to be remembered for. The Guardian interviewed her, and she's like. I'd love to be remembered oh, for really? the host, but it's probably going to be Twilight. Oh, yes. Well, it's definitely going to Which be Twilight. But, yeah. But I, I, I think I, I the really, host is great. I really liked that book. I thought it was a really interesting concept. And uh, Yeah, look, uh, that, is one of the only, that is one of the only love like triangles it. that I really genuinely enjoyed because it was such an interesting a love triangle with only two bodies involved. Yes. Um, that's something new. Yeah. Oh, well, I, that's a lot of thoughts about Twilight that we've put out there into the universe. Um, it, it is. It's I'm, an exciting. It's I'm an exciting. Happy that I've read it. it is exciting, and I'm glad that I've read Midnight Sun and can now pass it on to my older sister, who has been like eagerly messaging me every single day. Have you finished yet? Have you finished yet? Can I have it? That's so, so cute, Caitlin. If you're listening, Midnight Sun is all yours. I think I might not be finished for a while because I'm going. I'm going quite slowly, <laughs> but um. <laughs> You're savouring it. You're savouring it. It's definitely. I'm just reading it at the same slow pace that it's like it's not a fast-moving story, right? So you're not going to through it. Yeah, Yeah, you can just live in it. No, take a break. Yeah. 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 So, final thoughts. Worth reading if you're a Twilight fan. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. If you're a Twilight fan, you you will absolutely love this book. And yeah, um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the sales support it. The Twilight fans are here. They're buying them. them. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So I think we'd better wrap it up. And even if you're a Twilight, it's still good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap it up there. I um, had a lot to say on this very, I wouldn't say divisive, but, like, it's contentious, this book. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's been fun chatting about it. I've, I've really enjoyed this, actually. Got, gotten to take a trip down memory lane so thanks Mm. so much for joining me uh sarah and shanu and if you're listening along at home you can order your copy of midnight sun by stephanie meyer from booktopia or your local indie bookstore Uh, enjoy the read and thanks for listening thank you for listening to the booktopia podcast channel don't forget you can subscribe to us on soundcloud and itunes for free 
and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.